answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Glad you are with us this day as we talk about financial matters, both myself and my co-host. We are both financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. We spend our weekdays. We used to spend our weekdays. Meeting, no, just <laughs> We're doing Zoom calls with people like yourself throughout the week and um, come here on the weekends to be your financial advisors on the air. Technically, we record ahead of time, but um, this is a broadcast on Saturday, uh, the day before Mother's Day. Yes. Big, Which, um, another I will show social distance with my mother on Mother's Day. It, um, she will actually come over to the backyard and we'll keep, uh, about six feet apart. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know what we're doing for Mother's Day. No. Anyway, <clears throat> that's irrelevant. You guys, nobody cares what I'm doing for Mother's Day. <laughs> that's right. But I tell you, here's it's it. it it is amazing to see the resiliency of the stock market, it's, and it's perplexing. <laughs> just, just Jobanski in our um, our sound booth there, whatever, a member of the team here, he's he's like nodding his head. He's been in the industry a long time. It's like it is perplexing. <laughs> it's very perplexing. And I think, and I was talking about a conversation with someone. It's like, why is the stock market going up? You you realize the Nasdaq is now positive for the year. Yes. What? What? Well, and granted, some tech companies are doing fine, but no, a lot of them aren't. I mean, I was talking to somebody, a CEO of a tech company. I said, "How's it going?" He says, "Well, he says a lot of the companies that we sell our services to are hurting." He says, "United is one of our United Airlines is one of our big customers," and starts naming these other industries. So when you've got <clears throat> a third of industries that are in turmoil, and many software companies sell to business, they're B to B, not B to consumer. Most, yes, yes. Enterprise software that helps companies do what they do. Run run more efficiently. Learn more efficiently, yes. And um, it's just... Uh, it. But, so the disconnect, I had a conversation with a gentleman yesterday around the same subject. For the, uh, with a disconnect, it, it, may be, it may be that the lack of alternatives to invest in... Well, that's, that's exactly it, right? So when you've got... The ten year, the, the two year U.S. Treasury hit an all time low this week at point one something. Point close, zero, yeah. close to not negative, but pretty pretty close. And the ten year is at what point six, six ballpark, give or take, depending on the the day, the minute. So you're looking at these uh, incredibly low interest rates, and even CD rates, everything's super low. And then it's like, well, who wants to invest in municipal bonds right now when? municipalities who knows what's going to happen there yeah we don't know i mean so a lot of it's people looking at well for if i'm going to invest my money and i want to longer term what are my options maybe owning the factories of production owning companies which is essentially what that is it's not really like some gambling market or something it's really owning companies and maybe owning companies isn't such a bad thing these companies will survive they will come back and they will consumers will be back again and I think that's the, the mindset that and that a lot the of Federal have. Reserve has shown that they are willing to uh, prop up industries. Yeah, do whatever it takes and prop up industries and prop up industries. But the alternative is real estate, office buildings, retail may never ever be the same. So Neiman Marcus filed for bankruptcy this year. It's always an irony to me when you see a luxury brand. Have you shopped at Neiman Marcus? No. There's one in um, uh, Carmel, and I've gone in there a couple times. If, for those of you, most people know where Carmel is because that's where it's the hoity-toity little town. And I've gone a couple times, like on anniversaries or whatever. There's a Neiman Marcus, and it's needless markup is what I've heard it's called. Oh, because it's everything so expensive. It's like, wh- why would I spend six hundred dollars for a t-shirt? I, I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> other I, than to tell someone you spent six hundred dollars for a t-shirt. <laughs> but when you see a company like that, I always find it ironic when a luxury brand goes. Um, Bankrupt, yeah. I, I anyway. I've, I've not, I don't believe I've ever been in a Neiman Marcus, and uh, 
And you might not have the opportunity anymore. Uh, we'll see if this, they survive. Or this not. will be, uh, but the ripple effect, of course, we've talked about is um, yes. So, so when you look at the alternatives, real estate, residential. Well, you know, if you're uh, if you own a bunch of rentals right now, depending upon what part of the country you're in, uh, and government is saying, hey, people don't have to pay the rent. Right. And you still have a mortgage payment behind it. And you've got mortgage or mortgages. Right. That that doesn't look good. Uh, strip centers. Well, the, the thing about the thing about when you own publicly traded companies, it's passive. Right. So you're mentioning right. investments that are all going to take. They're active. Yeah. They're active. Oh, listen, Scott, and I have some in direct investments in some commercial real estate. Don't think I'm we haven't been getting oh, yeah. the phone calls from tenants. Asking about forbearance, or yeah, are you going to pay to have the uh, offices sanitized once a day? Have someone come in in the middle of the day and wipe it down? The the, the landlord. Well, I think a big challenge right now. It, there's two concerns that I've got. Well, there's many, but the, some of the bigger concerns is uh, the longer the shutdown. I, right now, I don't know when the end in sight is because it feels like the goalposts keep getting moved. Um, so the longer the shutdown, the worse things are going to be. The harder it is going to be to restart. And the secondly, if without corporations have some sort of, we just saw in California last week where you can file, an employee can file a workman's comp claim if they contracted the coronavirus. Without proving whether they received it at work or not. Or if the, if the company was, had any sort of culpability in it. That's right. I mean, at what point, so... Without employers having, I mean, we're in a, we have 200 and some odd employees. Everyone's working from home. I'd love for everyone to, I'd love for those who want to come back in the office to keep a social distance. I'm just being frank from a business owner. Look, why do I want to, what happens if we open it up? Someone contracts coronavirus and says it's your fault. Yes. Well, we did send out the health. I don't know if you read that. Yes, yesterday. of course. We've got a big guidance and all that stuff. Yeah, and you have to sign off on it. And follow but a lot up. of companies are kind of waiting and see. It's like, who wants to be the first one kind of reopening, particularly if you don't have to? Out of it it's right going to be a struggle. But back to the stock market, it, it may be in a rally just because the lack of alternatives and what to invest in. And over time, over time, distances of time, the equity markets or stock markets have a tendency to do well. Yeah, over time. Over time. Yeah. So anyway, if you'd like to join us, we'd love to take your calls, answer your questions uh, about anything financial. And our goal is to help you make wise choices with your dollars so you have some financial peace in your life, even in the midst of time. And there are a lot of people that have financial peace, even in the midst of this, because they they're, know they're not forced to sell any stocks during the downturn. So to be part of our program, 833-99-WORTH is the number. Again, 833-99-WORTH. And let's start off with Samuel. Samuel, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Good morning. Good morning, Samuel. How are you? We're doing great. Actually, pretty good. I'm oh, a little frustrated good. by the I've world. Been, been riding my. Other than that, I'm good. I've been riding my bicycle a lot. I have too, because the weather's been yeah. nice, and and when you work from home, you can start working at six a.m. and then take a couple hours off in the middle of the day, and and social distancing, and your family kind of wants you out of the house. <laughs> I'm not saying kind of. Well, Sacramento like like is about 100 degree today, so. Oh. So how can we help you today, anyway, Samuel? Well, I just uh, asked your, your opinion. No, I, I bought some uh, tech stock like Intel's and uh, uh, Oracle way back in the early 90s. You know, the, the cost is about 20 bucks a share. Then they split a couple, couple times. And now I, I accumulate a lot of capital gain. So about mid-March, when the market was down to about 40-something, I mean, $40 a share. So I sold most of them and cashed it. Okay. And then it went and it went down a couple bucks lower for a couple of days, and I bought it back. Okay. So so I hope that raised my uh, was a cost base or whatever. Yeah. yeah. On the new shares. But what did you yeah. what did you trigger as far as capital gain taxes? I don't know because like I just I I, I kept those uh, stock for o over thirty yeah, years. Yeah, was these know. inside of a retirement account or outside of a retirement account? 
No, it's a South Sun. It's my own investment account. Okay, so so you you incurred. What state are you in? Uh, California. Okay, so you incurred. How much? How much? What was the like the net, the gross dollar amount of the transactions? Yeah, how much? Uh, I probably cashed out about close to hundred thousand dollars. Okay, well you've got. Uh, you've- and then uh, I bought it back. Yeah, is yeah, a challenge. So there's something called a wash sale rule. And it's this is one. Sometimes there's taxes are the the tax code is designed just to penalize and never to <laughs> right. So a tax the uh, wash sale um, is when somebody sells something to try to trigger a capital loss. So let's say you bought a stock at fifty bucks, it went down to thirty, yeah. and you said, "Well, I'm going to sell it and I'm going to purchase it right back again. I just want to trigger lock in my my loss." Well, they say now you yeah. need to wait 30 days. If you don't wait at least 30 days before you buy it back, uh, we're going to we're going to call it a wash sale and we're going to disallow that capital loss. That's only for the loss. They don't that same rule does not apply for the gain. So if you sell a gain and say, "Oh, I shouldn't have done this." How Yeah, how, I show it at the gain. Yes, correct, correct. And then you bought it back at less expensive, but the reality is How many days transpire between those two? About less than 5 days. Yeah, the, the reality is, is you triggered a capital gain and the capital yeah. gain will be much larger, probably based upon the information you're giving us, much larger than any discount you paid for the stock on the repurchase. So that little exercise you went through cost you. Well, I think he, I think he probably if I'm, you probably acted remote emotionally and then thought, well, this is kind of stupid. I should get back in. Is that what, you, what it was? No, because like all along, I'm thinking, no, if I. I sell the stock. I, put, I probably inherit a lot of capital gains. So okay. I, I tried to sell it for a long time already, but oh, I think this is a good time to sell. Okay. okay. So well, what's your question for us? Is that is that a, a good no. move or a stupid move? It, it, well, I don't uh, well, we <laughs> use the word stupid, <laughs> um, but you didn't help yourself. No. Had you just held the I stock. And you, you repurchased you the same exact stocks? Yeah. Yeah. So you didn't help yourself. You just basically what you did is you you incurred a capital gain. Uh, you voluntarily right. decided to give money to the government. You held the same positions two weeks later. Uh, so you're going to have to write a check to the government of maybe well, 20, 25 grand. Yeah, it could be. You bought these stocks in the early 90s. Our uh, concern now is that you're going to trigger a tax bill and you're not going to have the cash to pay it. And I don't know the rest of your financial situation, but I'd hate to see come next April 15th and you need to write a check to both the state of California as well as the federal government and you don't have the money and you and you say, oh, I got to sell some stocks. And what happens if Intel and Oracle are down again at the time you need to pay the IRS? So, so do you have $25,000 or $30,000 in cash set aside to pay the government? Oh, yes, I do. Okay. Well, then that's not an issue. So I, you use the word stupid. I, I don't like to use the word stupid. Um, but it wasn't, uh, economically, economically advantageous to you with that, what you did. And I would question the wisdom of buying the same two securities that in the night, in the sometime in the 1990s, when you went through this process and you thought those were the two best in the universe to have that, you had the exact, came up with the exact same conclusion. I think it was just, you purchased the securities cause you knew them and not necessarily that they were the best things out there. So expect well, I'm, I'm an IT person, so uh-huh. I figured out, oh, no, I bought one software, one hardware. It, it can go wrong. So Okay. Well, the, whatever the, 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 the theory you use, your thesis, to, to make those decisions, I'm just telling you, from a tax and investment standpoint, you did not help yourself. You hurt yourself. You, you decided yeah, right. essentially, yes, where the little bit— I mean, because right, right now you own the same stocks t- today that you did January 1st, but now you have to write a check to the government. And you did make a little bit but, of money on the gain because you bought it back at less, but you didn't buy it at 30% less or 25% less. You bought it at 4 or 5% less when you repurchased you pur- the shares. Did you, did you repurchase the shares at a lesser amount? A couple bucks, and yeah. then now it went up about— Five or six bucks. So. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, anyway. So it actually went up about ten percent already. Okay. Well, it still wasn't as much as the the gain that you probably recognized. Oh well. Okay. <laughs> so in the future, 
uh, in the future, when you before you do this, you you need to understand the tax ramifications of the investment decisions, not just the investment decisions. And I would say to you that if you are charitably inclined or give money to a charity on a regular basis, that you in the future uh-huh. look to gifting highly appreciated shares like that, right? You can contribute, mm-hmm. you can give them directly to a charity, you can give them to a, a gift trust, uh, you can do many of those things. Um, and then you repurchase those so that you move your basis up continually. And this isn't something you would have done just this year. This would be something that you yeah. do as part of an overall investment. I mean, even if it's a minor ma- amount you give, even if it's thousand bucks a year you give, which that, I'm not saying that's not, it's a lot of money for a lot of families. I'm not, but, um, yeah, but, but you, you use that in your gifting strategy to charities, uh, which coincide across the investment strategies and tax strategies. Yeah. So okay. anyway, appreciate the cost. I mean, I think, you know, Pat, it's kind of, rem- the, What's so important now to understand what your investment strategy is. Yes. Because it's in times like these that you got to be disciplined with your whatever strategy you had. And if you had no strategy up until now, or your strategy was, well, I'm just going to keep buying stocks because they go up, or I'm going to buy in the dips, or... Well, that's fine as long as... You understand the risk and you understand your time. And you stick with the strategy. Yeah. Right. So Scott and I know hundreds of investment advisors, hundreds of investment advisors. We will meet. We know some good ones. Yeah. (laughs) And we will meet uh, a minority of them that have some sort of um, esoteric investment Mm -hmm. strategies. They'll tell you about them. Weird. But when you ask them, how do you show it to me on paper? Show me how you do this. And then show me that you've stuck to that. Yes, and show me show me your, what your how you've done the last ten years with this yeah. strategy. And show yeah. me that you actually stuck to it, that you didn't deviate from the strategy. Because having a strategy, listen, buying lottery tickets is an investment strategy, if you will, not a very good one. You'll know you'll lose long term. Not a very good one, but it is a strategy. Yeah. All right. You want to join us? Eight three three. 99 worth 833 worth this is all worth money matters with scott hansen and pat mclean we're talking with maria hi maria you're with all worth money matters hi scott hi pat thank you for taking my call thank you i really appreciate it oh good thanks um, <laughs> i just want to say that i've been a long time listener and i love your show um you guys are so smart and so knowledgeable and funny i love it uh, by the way so i'll, I'll agree you. with the second one with knowledgeable finance i don't know how smart i am there's many areas of life that you'd think like this guy's an idiot but and maria i'd like to have you on a zoom call with my family later on in the day if you will <laughs> Absolutely. here's what's so good about your dad <laughs> <laughs> You're cooped up with 24-7. Because uh, my 20- and 21-year-old uh, that are living uh, at the house aren't quite in agreement. What can we do for you? <laughs> okay, so here's my situation. I'm 46 years old, and I'm a single parent of two children. Both of them are going to college in the fall. One of them is going to a four-year university. The other one is going to medical school. It is in my culture for parents to do everything they can to support their children throughout their education. So I think I'll be able to cover the undergraduate degree with my salary. However, medical school is a whole different story. And I know my daughter can take student loans. I know she can take the federal unsubsidized and the graduate plus. But these loans are at 6 7% interest rate. And I was thinking, will it be a good idea for me to refinance my mortgage and pull some 60000 70000 cash out, um, at least to pay for the first couple of semesters? And right now, I think I can get the year fixed at 3.5. Well, let's let's separate uh, these questions if we will. And let us ask you a couple other questions. How much sure. money do you make? About 70,000. And what is the value of your home? 484. And what do you owe on it? 190. And what you you've done very well with yourself, Maria, a single mom raising two children, helping them through college. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you've got a decent wage, but it's not like you're. It's impressive. Yeah. It's just flat out impressive. Yeah. It's you should just feel very good. About What's the interest rate on your mortgage? Interest. 
Right now it's 3.75 and I've paid five years. I have 25 more to go. Okay. And do you, at your job, do you have a defined benefit pension when you retire that will pay you a monthly check until you die? Yes. So you work for a state, county, municipality, hospital, something along those lines or a utility? Yes. Okay. And what will that be? How long have you worked at your job? How long have I worked there? Yeah. About seven years only. Okay. And is it a municipality or the state? State. Okay. And how much do you have in retirement savings? Um, before the crash, it was about two hundred thousand. Now it's about one fifty total. One fifteen. Not counting the pension. Not pension. Just four one old four one k. It went. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, it went from two hundred to one fifteen. One fifty. One fifty. Okay. Something okay. like this. One sixty. Yeah, that's and these are rough numbers. Okay, okay, uh, guys. Come back yeah, up yeah, some yeah, yeah, that's that's right. back up some. So, first of all, uh, congratulations. You've done a great job. Um, you really, you <laughs> really you. have. S- Thank you. So the uh, the child that's going to the undergraduate, is it a, are they going to go to a state school? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the tuition is... She go- says she can cover that. Yeah. It's the grad, it's the medical school. I, I can I can cover the housing because tuition will be paid. And do you um, want, do you expect, so your daughter's going to medical school. Do you expect that yes. she'll repay the loan? Oh, yes. I think so. Like, uh, yeah. Okay. Definitely. I, listen, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't ref- I wouldn't refinance the mortgage. I I would if I were your situation. Mm-hmm. Given everything you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, and Scott, you can agree with me or disagree. I would I would have her load up on those student loans. Mm-hmm. Even at six or seven mm-hmm. percent. Even at six or seven. Are these government loans? These are the federal unsubsidized and the graduate plus, yeah, six okay. seven percent. And, and this is why she's going to medical school, right? Mm-hmm. She's going to medical school. I think you're, I would agree with you. She's, you're a single mother. Uh, you're, there's a chance Mar- that there should be some forgiveness. Of Maria, that. what is your last name? Oh, I can't ask that. Is, uh, um, I, I don't want to ask that on the air. So <laughs> I I, I'll tell you after. If, if, so, no, are you Hispanic? Or? Are you Hispanic? No, I'm not. Filipino? Oh. I'm not. Okay. Okay. We well, Maria, I was never it. a guess, you know. You got, <laughs> your name's Mary and you've got a, an accent. You say something about your culture. By the way, my wife is, is my wife is a quarter Mexican and quarter Filipino, so uh I've got some uh, understanding of both those cultures, but So in I, any case. I would load up on this I would have her load up on the student loans, especially and, and this okay. is why. She may end up going to work in a low-income rural community, in which case those, at the, under the current rules, a lot of those student loans would be forgiven, uh-huh. right? She may end up in a specialty where there is a great need for it. That they'll help pay them off. That they'll help pay them off, right? She may end up going to work for a government or state body. That might help pay them off. That might help pay them off. So in the current environment that we're in, especially in light of this even, COVID-19. Even before this, there were employers uh, offering to pay, help pay student loans. There was kind of becoming a thing of like, you would see ads like Economist Magazine would have these ads that uh, it's kind of our response, corporate's responsibility to help help pay some student loans back for these kids coming out of schools. So. I think Pat's point is, look, if she takes out the loans in her name, yes, there's a little bit more interest, maybe quite a bit more interest, mm-hmm. uh, but there's a good chance there'll be some forgiveness on at least a portion of that. There already is if she makes the minimum That's payments right. on them and doesn't make enough money, they start forgiving That's the right. loans after, what is it, 10 well, years? 20 years. 20 years. But your, your, your payments are also capped. As a percentage of your income. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and you do not want to co-sign on any of them. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. Do not co-sign on any of them. That could derail your retirement. Right? So, are you saying it's better to go with the federal loans rather than the private? Oh, yeah. Federal. At private? No, 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 federal? no. Go I would do the federal, federal loan. Federal, federal, federal. federal. We just saw this. Federal, federal, federal. Federal. Look, look. We just saw this in the mortgage marketplace right now where there is forbearance on federally backed loans and there are not on privately backed loans. Right. right? And what the difference between them? 
if you were the average consumer, you wouldn't know the difference, whether your loan was a Jenny May or Fenny May or whether it was sold to a big other institution. The average consumer didn't know the difference. But what happened in this last two weeks, federal government says, nah, just take it easy on these payments. The private yeah. companies are like, no. So just to kind of summarize here, the reason you want the federal loan is because there's a good chance – I don't know what the probability is. There is some some opportunities that she can have some forgiveness of some of that debt at, upon graduation and entering the medical profession. That is probably not going to be there on private loans. And it's definitely not going to be there when her mother paid for it because else it's going to look like, oh, you don't, you don't have you any don't need debt. the money. You don't have any debt. So don't yeah. co-sign. And by the way, for the rest of the listeners, we are giving Maria... Uh, answers to her questions. What, what philosophically, whether we agree with the way the system is run oh, yeah, or yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Y- y- that's that's a I, different story. I, that's altogether. a different story altogether. But yeah. that's I'm not in it for my philosophy. I'm here to help Maria. Yeah, and with that, we're going to take a quick break. This is all worth money matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hanson. I'm Pat McClain. I tell you, even in the midst of these crazy times, Pat, there are are lots of great investment opportunities if you've got a longer-term perspective on things. Yes. This we're, this won't last forever. This too shall pass. This isn't the first time there's been, since the beginning of dawn, beginning of time, we've had things like this come through. Plans are being rewritten. Business plans, marketing plans, finance plans, corporate plans, retirement, your retirement plan, yep. your spending plans. It is a strange time. It, it It's the most unusual because... 50 to 60% of the population actually, estimates are 50 to 6, their income was not affected. Yet. 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 Yes. But their savings rates have gone up significantly in the last year. As have mine. Because? Where do you go? I mean, if I I look at my family expenditures, uh, a lot of it was travel and eating out. I mean, luxuries. Luxuries, yeah, frankly. Luxuries. And I'm not doing either <laughs> either of yes. those. <laughs> yes. Although next week I am driving um, my daughter, my oldest daughter, 24. She lives in Denver, but she's been home. Um, she's finishing up her grad school via online. And uh, Colorado, they've loosened the restrictions. You're actually allowed to get together in groups of like five or less. And so do you have to go back and pick up her furniture or something? No. She's, lived, she's moving back to oh, Denver. she is? Yeah. She not have a job, but... Oh. She might come back at some point in time, but um, I'm driving out there with her. It's 15 hour, 16 hour drive from my house in El Dorado Hills, California to Denver, Colorado. And then I'm flying back the next Thursday. And I I guess that's legal. Is that legal? I mean, the planes want me to fly. You go on their websites. They's like, please come. And here's how we're keeping the planes filled. I want to keep my daughter company because I don't like whether she's 16 or 24 or 44. I'll probably still feel the same. My little girl. So I want to. You don't want her to drive to Colorado by herself. No, I've done it a couple times yeah. now, and I'm so it'll be interesting um, getting on the airplane and all that. But yeah. I guess it's legal. Is someone gonna? I don't know. I'll wear my mask and all that stuff. But we have uh, tons of masks. What do you mean you have tons of masks? Been, You're hoarding? Hoard? I should say tons. <laughs> we have a hundred masks. I bought two packs of fifty. Well, there's six of you in your family, and there's five living at the house. But um, you, we don't. It's not like we go to the grocery store every day. Although I have been giving gifts to the Amazon drivers because they're just there all the time. It's like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> 833-99-WORTH is our number to be part of the program. And take some calls. And I want to talk a little bit about the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission, loosening the rules to help small businesses sell stakes uh, to raise money. And whether... Um, we have an opinion on whether it's a good idea or a bad idea and what if you get approached by a small business asking them to invest. Oh, yeah. We'll talk um, about that. Let's uh, let's take calls first. Again, 833-99-WORTH. We're talking with Joe. Joe, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. So my question is really based around Social Security, and I know 
this question has been asked quite a bit lately. But I'm in a kind of a, I don't want to say unique situation, because we're all in a unique situation. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right? Where every situation so, is unique and by, its, by its nature. But, uh... Absolutely. So my wife is going to turn 59 and a half, and she has been retired now for three years. I'm still working. I'm only 57, and I don't plan on retiring till about 65. So is it worth for her to collect Social Security at this age? Well, she can't until age 62. I thought females are at 59 and a half. Oh, no. 59 and a half is the rule. That's the age in which we can take money from our retirement accounts without any uh, penalty. So IRAs and 401ks, 403bs, that sort of thing. Uh, or a widow 60, or widow or age, at age yeah. 60. I'm sorry. No. Yeah, if you're age 60 and you've been widowed, then you can start at age 60. Otherwise, it's age 62 is the earliest. And her full retirement age is probably 66 in a few months. So she'd have a pretty significant discount. All right. So is it worth for her to start drawing off her um, retirement plan that she has invested in? Oh, well, I, I, I make a caveat. If, if there's plenty of money that she, it's, you can both be, she can be afforded to retire at 59. And um, yeah, I mean, if you've got plenty of money and it can last your dying day, then absolutely. 59 and a half sounds perfect. My concern is it's relatively young. And if there's not enough money to last, and you're, it's still in a season while you're still working. Um, what's going to happen with the finances when you're 65 and you're retired? What happens at age seven when you're 70 and 75 and 80, right? And that's from from a financial planning standpoint, it's really a lot of our big concern with with people is like, what happens if you live too old? <laughs> I mean, what happens if you if you make it to 95 or 100? You need to make sure you've got the finances to support those lifestyles. And and you would look at this and say, well, what is your income, Joe? And are we going to be paying taxes at a higher marginal rate than if she waited? It would be at a higher marginal rate. So what, Absolutely. What's, what's, what's your approximate income now? About 160000 a year. Okay, and do you owe anyone money? Just the two properties I own. Okay, and what do you owe on are them? Are these are they rentals or are they? Do you consume them or primary? One's my, yeah, one's my primary residence. It's probably about two fifteen k left, and the other one is a rental property, and there's probably one sixty five k left. And what's the interest rates on those? Uh, right around three point five to four. I've owned them for a long time. I've refinanced them, but I haven't refinanced them lately, and I I don't think I want to go through. What's that the rental? Anymore. What's the what's the rental worth? Maybe eight hundred and fifty thousand. And what's the primary residence worth? One point two. So here's what I would do. So why, Mike? Can you not survive on your salary? I can. Yeah. So, uh, so she should not take Social Security. She probably should not take Social Security until she's at full retirement age. Gotcha. Got it. And and and, and this is what I would do. The penalty, the penalty between sixty two and your full retirement age, sixty six and some months, is greater than the. I'll call it a penalty from waiting until age seventy. Right? It's a different uh, percentage. How much money do you have in retirement savings? You sound like a good saver, by the way. How much money do you have in retirement savings? You mean just... IRAs, um, 401ks. Probably, yeah, uh, 401k, probably 1.5 in savings and stock market and what have you, probably around 150. Okay. So here's what... Do you have $100,000 in cash? Yes. Okay. What's, what's her... Um, What's is what's is the primary driver on this is to so she feels confident that she's got income coming in each month? Does she have her own checking account? Um, no, it's all joint. Okay. Yeah, okay. I mean the primary question about collecting social security, and, and I'm sure this is on everybody's mind, is once we hit that retirement age, if you will, and we paid into it for God knows how long. Is it going to be around? Yeah, yeah. Might great well question. Start drawing yeah. off it before 
And, and it was in trouble before. Year? It was in trouble before this. Now they figure that the Social Security trust fund might be empty in the year 2029. It was 2034. Now it's 2029. Without any adjustments to it, the way it stands now, there'd be an automatic. I think it's 21 percent reduction across the board, which and, that's not going to happen. And we do a workshop. Uh, we do a workshop on Social Security. You can find it at our website, allworthfinancial.com, where we actually talk about what you just described, which is legislative risk. But let's leave that aside right. for a second, Joe. If you were sitting in an office with one of our advisors, I could just tell you flat out this is what we would actually do right now. We would look at this, your financial situation, and we would say, okay, you've got plenty of cash. You've got a good income. Your wife has some money in an IRA, which is liquid. Why don't we take that $100,000 in cash and pay down one or both of those mortgages, right? You're not going to retire, you said, for another eight years. So just simple yeah. financial planning. We would say, okay, you have outstanding debts of approximately $380,000 on your mortgage. Why don't we take $100,000 and apply it against that? So now you owe $280,000 on your mortgage amortize that over the next um, eight years, refinance it into a 10 or 15 year fixed and pay it off so that the date you retire, you have no debt. You have no debt. That is just, that's that. So you called about social security, which we appreciate the call, but you really are in a position that if you did some decent, good financial planning and looked at eight years from now, what you're going to do today, especially in these low interest rates environment where you can get a 10-year fixed rate mortgage at less than 4%, you're going, to, you're going to be really, really ready for retirement. Now you got a good advisor, age 62 comes around, then you say, okay, this is what you should do with your Social Security, with your wife's Maybe Social it makes Security. sense to start at that time. Maybe. Maybe not, right? But you make the decision then. But you called about a completely different subject. If you were sitting in an office with one of our advisors, I could tell you that and is actually, the advice. The advisors are, it's all Zoom now. So okay. <laughs> <We've>, <laughs> right. okay. I think we've had, probably had hundreds of Zoom meetings last week with our okay. advisors. So, yeah, if you were sitting in your office and we were sitting in our office. <laughs> On um, video. This is probably the recommendation. And, and you want to take advantage of it now because. And that, that's the recommendation just kind of top. Right. Blush. That's just and a it, first blush. And it might be when you do a little more analysis, do a little digging, get to understand your, your and your wife's uh, goals, it might morph and do something a little different. But, um, but that's just first blush. That's You're at a stage, Joe. Yeah. You're at a stage with finding, and we're not trying to promote our, well, we try to promote our business a little bit. Which I, sure. I mean, there's other great organizations out there, great advisors out there. There's a lot of lousy ones too. But I think if you met with someone who's a good certified financial planner, specialized in retirement transition, going through a process of some financial planning, I think it'd be of great value to. It was interesting. Both Vanguard and Morningstar have done some studies on the value of quality financial advice. I'm talking about this is a good quality advice. And uh, I think, I think I don't remember the numbers exactly. You can, you can Google them. One is, I think it's a Vanguard alpha study. And I forget what Morningstar called theirs. Uh, but the, both of them showed that uh, with the right kind of planning, an advisor can add up to three percentage points per year. That's not in meaning that they outperform the markets, that they can outperform the S&P 500. It's just through the right kind of planning. It's these little nuances here or there, Dick. When do we, when do we look at converting some to a Roth? Are there times when we, we focus on paying down the mortgage? Are there times when we look at taking out an additional mortgage for something? Are there, right, how do we allocate the 401k? And we've got a break in income. We've got like a spouse here before Social Security. What's the, way to, what's the best way to bridge that? All those various uh, moving parts. And I really think, Joe, you're at a stage with you go through a process, do some good, good financial planning. I think it'll instill some, some confidence both with you and your, your wife and with your wife being uh, recently retired and in this whole midst, there might be, uh, I mean, I mean, a lot of us right now don't have the same kind of confidence with our finances as we did a couple months ago. What we found and what yeah, studies absolutely. have shown, right? <laughs> Most yeah. of us don't, but studies have shown that when you do the right kind of planning, have the right kind of plan in place, it, it, it just, just that in and of itself can instill quite a bit of confidence and reduce stress and reduce worry about it. Yeah, some good advice. Thank you so much. All right, all right, Joe. Appreciate Glad you call. called. Appreciate the phone call, and uh, hope your wife's enjoying 
retirement. She probably wasn't expecting to be with Joe 24 <laughs> 7. Well, I don't know. You know, she it's, might be happy about it. I know. You know, it's funny, though. Um, I think a lot of con- Pat and I have been helping people in retirement transition for about 30 years. And a lot of there's a lot of concern people have of spending 24 7 with their spouse. Great marriages. It's like, hey, wait a minute. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to be retiring here in June. And I don't know how this is going to work out for me. And uh, but right now, I think we're all. <laughs> it's a trial run. <laughs> it is in some aspects, isn't it? It's I mean, I, my my wife and I celebrated 28 years last weekend, and uh, uh, we. She clearly is. She needs breaks from me. She's quite vocal, like uh, you know. She's telling. She's oh yeah. Rich. One like, thing I appreciate about her, she tells me what she needs, and I don't. Yeah. Instead of. Maybe in the first couple of years, she hoped I'd kind of guess and understand here. Now she just realizes if she needs something from me, she's got to be that's, really clear. That's uh, to give you the opportunity to tell her she's wrong. That's why she's sharing that with you. Oh, that's good. Yes, <laughs> thanks, Pat. All right, let's uh, continue on the calls here. 833-99-WORTH. We're talking with Sean. Sean, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Hello, gentlemen. How are you today? We are wonderful. Thank you. What can we do for you? Great. So, yeah, I had a question. Uh, I've realized, and I don't know why I didn't think of this before, that with a financial advisor, with a little luck, I'm going to have a relationship with this person or organization for 30, 40, 50 years uh, before retirement and through retirement to, to death. Um, you know, I, I will choose an advisor based on their the, the culture and style and, and, and all the services they provide. But over that time period, things can change. I've, you know, I've worked for companies that when I started there, they were great. And then after a decade, things changed and I decided that it wasn't a place for me. So I'm wondering, given that long time frame, what could be some red flags or signs telling me that an advisor that I initially liked working with may be shifting or changing in a way that may make me think I might want to go somewhere else? So there's a there's a couple of different things. But, I mean, first of all, most people have a relationship with an individual. I mean, that's the reality, right? So, I mean, you hear us talk sometimes. Well, we're biased towards fee based investment advisors um, for a variety of reasons, and that's what our firm is. But and we think I'm just being <laughs> like firms like Merrill Lynch or Wells Fargo. We think their structure is not the best. Having said that, there are some financial uh, advisors that are great at those organizations that if I had a family member that had an advisor there, was a good advisor, certified financial planner, did a great job, did a good job planning, was uh, fee-based on it, I'd say keep sticking with Merrill Lynch or keep sticking with Wells Fargo, regardless of what's happening. I mean, those companies went had to be bailed out for crying out loud, right? You want to talk about changing? They were bailed out during the, the – they couldn't even keep themselves afloat during the, the downturn. I don't remember what happened with Wells Fargo, but Bank of America had to had to buy Merrill. So – but. But the advisor, and or sometimes it's a small team because it's a it's oftentimes a support team. Most of the times we're still intact, and people uh, continue with those relationships. But if if suddenly these firms started selling a bunch of financial products, yeah. So if their investment, if if their investment messaging and how they were investing dollars changed significantly, that would be a red mm-hmm. flag. If service levels uh, began to fall. Uh, that would be didn't a red a flag. Call. You didn't get a phone call back, and and if that were if that were the case, you should talk to the advisor and say, "Hey, what's happening?" What? Or if the advisor goes through some midlife crisis, which, which he or she people. goes off the deep end, you want you want a team around them. You want a team around them if that were to happen. So um, that's what you would look for. And quite frankly, people don't like changing the relationships with their advisors because it's kind of a pain in the in in. You know, it's kind of a pain. If you if you're having problems with the firm you're working with, just ask them what's going on, or this is why I'm not happy. Um, and normally, uh, they'll either say, "Well, you know, we're we're down a new path," or, "Oh, sorry, uh, you you feel differently. Let us see if we can fix it." So there there wouldn't be something. Well, I guess right, there would be a, a sign if they're changing the investment options or or the fee the the fee structure or or any anything. Like, well, I mean, like if they, that, they went from using no load funds and ETFs to suddenly start using a commission products or start charging you for a bunch of transactions you weren't paying before, or start selling you equity index annuities, or starts pushing life insurance down your throat, or all kinds of things that are just out of the out of the blue. 
that that would that would be bothersome. Fees, you know, most firms actually fi uh, price their fees to the marketplace. So, a fee increase or a fee decrease doesn't. It's what the marketplace. Obviously, their business is. Um, so mm -hmm. they, we know what our fees are relative to the rest of the competitors in the marketplace. We know that because we survey that much like, but you know, the, 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 as long as you're with a fee-based advisor, that's not selling you products that you can't get out of. You can leave. You can leave anytime you want. And one of the things, I mean, I had this discussion today or yesterday with somebody I'm trying on the phone. And I said, um, I said, look, here's, I said, we have a, a, at least at Allworth, we have a philosophical um, belief. We, we want our, uh, our clients to be able to fire us at any particular day. We don't want them to have investments where there are some holdups on it. And every once in a while, there might be a, a decent investment we'd like to add, but because the structure of the investment where they can't be turned to cash immediately, it doesn't quite fit in. Because we like the flexibility that, look, our clients can leave anytime. That means that every day we need to listen to them. We need to make sure that they're being served well. We well, need to adapt. That, well, that's most fee-based financial plans are the same. F financial planning firms or investment advisors are the same. Yeah, so make sure you're with a firm that you can fire at any particular Yeah, and time. there's no surrender charge or, or big fee on the way out. So does that answer your question? Okay. It does. Thank you very much. Uh, all, all right. right. Thanks, Appreciate Sean. it, Sean. All right, Pat, we had um, – you had mentioned we want to talk about – The Securities Exchange Commission loosens the rules to help small businesses sell stakes, sell shares – to raise money for these small businesses. And this is only in effect for a few months where the SEC has decided to exempt small business owners from needing independent audits of their financial statements if they sell between 107,000 and 250,000 within a 12 month period. So what this does is basically says, you're a small business owner? There's no rules against you going out there and raising money right now without any sort of documentation as to whether you make money, will make money, have assets, don't have assets. Um, it allows them to raise the money over 12 months. The exemption only applies through the end of August. And you had to actually be doing this. You had to operate the business for at least six months. So um, this is... This is an area. It's a, I, I'm read, I read the same article, Pat, and I thought, this is kind of weird. Well, they basically said you do not have to, to show any documentation. You can run. You could say, look. There, there's rules uh, in that. Like, if, if you're going to go out and sell, uh, I know we, most of us have seen Shark Tank a couple times. But there, there's actually rules on, like, if you're going to bring in a, a number of investors, there, there's rules you need to abide by that that say the, you need to have a certain amount of disclosures. They have to be actually of a certain net worth or educational background accredited to show that investors. they're they're accredited, that they're that they're willing and able to make decisions, that they Although have the that, net worth to actually. The whole concept of the accredited investor means just because somebody has money does not mean that they're a good investor or have any experience. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, there. a lot of people come into money through their employment oh. and through their career. They sell their business, and suddenly they've got a bunch of money. They might be brilliant at their own trade, but they don't doesn't make them a. Um, so the danger in this is that um, there's going to be scams that are going to be run uh, right now uh, in every community in America where these operators will actually contact small businesses and say, "Hey." I'll show you how to raise some money right now. You give me 15 or 20% of it. It doesn't necessarily mean that the small businesses are knowingly operating inside this, this what we'll call it a change in the law. So if you get approached by a business owner that says, hey, listen, we'd like you to invest in our business. And oh, by the way, uh, I don't have any financials. So I don't have any doc. Uh, audited financials, but you know, trust me, uh, this makes sense. Just be very, very careful. Very, very careful. There's going to be. This is where you actually see these sort of market gyrations, uh, instability in economic systems is where fraud has a tendency to actually. Oh yeah. Uh, bubble to the surface, take advantage of the uncertainty with a better, special, safer idea uh, that may or may not be true.
And by the way, you hear some of the ads on the radio now, by the way, the television, there is no way you could get stock market returns or like stock market returns without taking stock market risk. I'm just telling you, it, it doesn't exist in our industry. It's called a risk premium. It's a risk premium, which means what is the premium? They call it a risk premium because the rate of return that you will achieve in a stock market investment versus a bank CD, the premium you pay is the risk, which is the risk of volatility. And over the long, if you're highly diversified over a long period of time, that risk, all it really is, is the volatility because there's short term declines. Unless it's you always have been short term declines. Yeah. Unless you uh, act uh, in an emotional manner that. Or you're not diversified. Yeah. Yes, correct. Correct. I mean, you look at industries that have blown up overnight. I tell you what, if you're sitting at home right now and you think, oh, I'm so glad I dodged this bullet because most of my net worth is in this particular company. This should be a warning flag for you. Like, I don't care what industry, I don't care what company it is. When something like this can come out of the blue, the, the fact is the price of every security right now, of every investment, takes into consideration what is known, not what is unknown. And the thing about this pandemic, no one expected this. Yes. Wasn't priced in anyone's models. So, if let's say you're you let's say most of your net worth is in one particular industry, one particular company, and you're like, "Whoa, this I dodged that. I made money during this time. This is a time to highly diversify." It could change. Who so, knows what else. comes next? Something else. Something else. Anyway, we are about out of time. A couple things. One is we love taking calls on this show, and we typically record our program during the week at a variety of times. Um, but we are taking a big three-hour block next Friday, May 15th, from 9.30 a.m. Pacific to 12.30 p.m. Pacific to answer your uh, calls and questions. So if you'd like to get on the radio program, all you got to do is simply email questions at moneymatters.com. Again, questions at moneymatters.com. We will uh, schedule a time for you to call us and you can have a Talk with us, and we'll have you your show, your question on the air, and uh, get some um, essentially some free financial advice from Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. So again, that's next Friday, May fifteenth, nine thirty a.m. to twelve thirty p.m. Pacific time. Just uh, email questions at moneymatters.com. And if your retirement plan looks like it might have been uh, disrupted or derailed, we've got some great resources at allworthfinancial.com. So we encourage you to check those out. We're out of time. We'll see you next weekend. This has been Scott Hansen and Pat McLean with Allworth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.